Hello and welcome to the Game Maker's Notebook. I'm Greg Kasavin, your guest host for this episode recorded during the 2019 Game Developers Conference. I'm creative director at Supergiant Games, a small independent studio in San Francisco known for our games Bastion, Transistor, Pyre, and now Hades, currently in early access. Since we're making our first ever early access game, I was all the more excited to speak with Mr. Charlie Cleveland for this episode. Charlie is design director at Unknown Worlds, best known for their work on the atmospheric undersea exploration game Subnautica, as well as the Natural Selection series. It's been a while since I spoke with Charlie in person like this. The last time was almost five years ago. I was recovering from the launch of Supergiant's second game, Transistor, while Charlie was trying to figure out where to go with Subnautica, which was just about to launch into early access. Charlie is a longtime industry veteran and walks me through the team's trials and tribulations, turning Subnautica from a simple idea thrust into early access development in an early stage to a well-loved hit. When you're working on an early access game for years, how do you know when you're done? Or better yet, how do you learn to let go of something that's been a part of your life for so long? And what's next now that Subnautica is officially complete? We delve into these and other topics, such as Charlie's love of board games and tabletop games as a wellspring of design inspiration. Hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the Game Maker's Notebook, a podcast featuring a series of in-depth one-on-one conversations between game makers providing a thoughtful, intimate perspective on the business and craft of interactive entertainment. The Game Maker's Notebook is presented by the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, a member-driven organization dedicated to the recognition and advancement of interactive entertainment. Charlie, you're a co-founder at Unknown Worlds, and you folks have been around since 2001, is that correct? Yeah, depending how you count it. Yeah, yeah, good I mean, long I was make, time. I was making a mod, make working on my mod back in two thousand. Yeah, it's so uh, yeah. So, so you have uh, you know been for, through the ringer. Yeah, for <laughs> for an independent studio, it's yeah. like it, it is it is uh, qu- quite a bit of experience, even yeah. even compared to some of the seasoned ones out there. I feel like we've seen it all. Like yeah. we've tried everything basically. It it certainly <laughs> seems that way from from lo- looking at your uh, track record. You know, having worked on, I I hope uh, hopefully it's. Pleasing to hear that I think at this point you you folks are best known for Subnautica, Absolutely. but prior to that yeah. um, you worked on Natural Selection, yeah. um, kind of a pretty broad range of um, of games in that regard. Um, mm-hmm. And and even prior to that, I, I I noted you you worked on you know everything from like uh, re- like kind of civilization spanning yep. real time strategy Empire games Earth. on Empire Earth. Yep. Yeah, I, long I time ago, uh, Jurassic era. Pretty much, and and you yeah. have a background in in uh, computer science, right? So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a programmer. I'm a programmer turned designer, basically. Yeah, I mean, I still program when they let me, but it's really it's about design and helping run the company and all that stuff. Very very cool. Yeah, yeah. I definitely have. Um, I'm really curious to hear um, how you kind of manage those two aspects, since <laughs> since I think not well. Are, oh, <laughs> well, you, you know, the the evidence <laughs> suggests otherwise <laughs> these days. But um, yeah, I have lots of questions. Uh, particularly, you know, these days, uh, we have a game in, in early access for the first time, yeah. and and I don't know that there are folks out there who know the ins and outs and the the kind mm-hmm. of the trials and tribulations of working on early access games better than uh, you and and your team having you. having gone through that ringer for quite some so time. So back in two thousand, when I was working on my little Half Life mod, yeah, we were actually doing early access, right? Like we were releasing 
texture packs. And before we even had a game, I released um, like a document describing how to build levels. And here's the texture pack. Go ahead, community, faceless community, go ahead right. and build some levels for our non-existent game. Yeah. So we were releasing stuff right away and we used it as a recruitment tool. Oh, wow. And like, actually, that's how we built the first uh, the first team to make that first mod. For Natural, Natural Selection. Selection 1, yeah. Oh, yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah, and this is well before, you know, the, the kind of early access kind of branding. For Steam. Oh, yeah, that's oh, true. Oh, my God, it was, it was like Planet Half-Life days. Yeah, because Steam wasn't until uh, 2004, right? Uh, I think it was actually, or, yeah, or maybe three? I don't know. Something, something like right that. Right around there, right around there. Yeah, that's, yeah, um, yeah that, uh, that, that's, a, so how did We've been releasing move... unfinished work for a long time, basically. R right. How, how yeah. did you go from, um, can you talk about how you went from, because you worked at Stainless Steel, yep. you were saying, on, yep. on Empire Earth. How did, how did you make the switch from, from that type of role to, like, making... Well, they fired me, which was okay. hilarious, but uh, <laughs> best thing that ever happened to me. Oh, wow. But um, yeah, I mean, because I, I think I really wanted to be working on my own games back then. And I yeah. could see, I mean, the game that we were working on was great. The team was great, but I didn't like management. And I really was fighting, fighting, fighting against it. And, I, you know, I, I mean, now as a, I, I guess as a boss, I could see that if I had someone on my team that was like going the other way from every other person, there's all you can do is let them go. Yeah. Right. But, and I was so dedicated to that game. I did not, I would never have quit. Right. But of course, because they did that, I had to pour all my energy into my own project to like basically prove to the world that I could make games. Yeah. I was already working on it, but then I was like, okay, now I have to prove that I, I do know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Which just channeled, I channeled all my energy into that so first how, mod, natural how, section one. How did you realize you needed, um, how did you realize you needed a team? Because you were probably doing a lot of it on, on your own. Yeah, I mean, back then I was very controlly. So, I mean, I just did it, tried to do as much of it as myself, as, as, as I could on my own. Um, and then it was myself and Corey Strader, who's right. our art director today. Um, so I've been working with Corey for, gosh, yeah, 20 years, yeah. basically. Um, but yeah, I just, I basically just did everything myself as much as possible and told people what to do. And luckily I grew out of that. Yeah. I learned to really embrace the help from other people. And actually each game we work on, I've been able to let go more and allow more people to contribute. And I think that's why Subnautica did as well as it did. There's so much in that game that I don't even know about. Right. Like for this GDC talk I just did, I yeah. had to go back and go understand the game, and there's, which is an impossible task. There's too much in there for anyone to understand. But the whole team was contributing, I mean, to the story, to game design, to you name it. Yeah. I mean... And that's why it all it's, and it was unified enough right. that all those things kind of dovetailed together and um, pushing in the same direction. Yeah, I was I was at the talk. I found that point really fascinating when you brought up um, that as as far as kind of the the world design, um, you, you yeah. talked about how at a, at a certain point you extricated yourself from the process so that basically level designers and artists could just collaborate yes. directly. That you weren't kind of stuck in the middle doing traffic control. It was um, a it was a circular dependency. Yeah. Art needed, art had questions. I see art had requirements to make, like put big creatures in the game, for instance. And then level designers had to figure out how to structure the world yeah. so these big creatures could go biome to biome. But they had questions for me about like how, how big is the world? How long does the game take? Um, you know, are people going to be swimming in this area? Are they going to be in a submersible? Are yeah. they going to be in a sub? How fast does the sub go? And then I'm, so then I try to answer those questions 
by trying to make some like really vague tech tree progression for right. a world and and a game that doesn't really exist. And I'm trying to figure out where all the loot ingredients are going to come from and does that fit into like Corey's different concept art. So then my dependency is back on art. Yeah. So then we are trapped and we no one we spent months at that stage and we couldn't, you know, we we wanted everyone's voice in that. This is all important. Right. You know, art, like level design and you know, systems. And I realized I had to remove myself completely and just the you know, the, the art team and the level designers just built the world that they wanted to see yeah. just visually and aesthetically and functionally. And then I had to fit the systems onto the world. Right. And as soon as that happened, we were back moving again and it just became a constraint for yeah. me. I see. So I was at the bottom of the food chain on that one. Yeah. So it, it's the, the food chain analogy is interesting. <laughs> yeah, was was that like up. a conscious, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's that's interesting to think about it in, in in that way as well. But the yeah, so you felt you felt yourself kind of becoming the you you're at the center of too many. We could have removed anyone, right? Yeah. I mean, I think we could have. Right. It right, just right. we had to get rid of one of them, and I just with I knew that I could still make the systems work. Yeah. It just and I you know I couldn't tell someone else you know bugger off like right, or right. bug off whatever. Were, were you were you um, were you directly building the systems as, as yeah. well at that point? Okay, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was curious about how crafting you know, and loot ingredients and progression. Yeah, and all that with stuff. the with the team. How big was the team at that time? So let's see. That it's was probably, probably hard. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Working remotely and so on. Yeah, I mean, we had most of our team then. I mean, we were probably 20 at okay. that point. Yeah. 15, 20. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and today we're. We're about actually about 30, 35. Wow. Okay. So yeah, all around the world. Yeah. So so that's and and you're at the center of that. So that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of folks to interact with as well. Yes. As yeah. But now, I mean, I I judge my success by like the <laughs> the more I have to talk to people to keep them on track, like the worse job I'm doing. Right. So I mean, if people are, you know, humming along without having to talk to me, things are good. Yeah. You know, I mean, of course, they can always ask me you know, for help or guidance on something, but I would ask other people for the same. Right. But generally people, I don't think they, there's no dependencies on me. Yeah. So I, I remember, so I, I do want to bring up the, the kind of anecdote of when um, we, I, I had to oh, dig yeah, it up psych class. So, yeah, we spoke. That was awesome. Did you see the note that I sent you? I did. That? That it was, was so amazing. cool. It was amazing. So cool. Yeah. So we, um, Charlie and I ran into each other. I think it was like, I put the date on that. Yeah, it was very helpful. 14? It was October, I think, of 2014. So okay. I, I had a yeah. vague sense that it must have been 2014. But but for my part, so so at Supergiant, we had just shipped um, our second game, Transistor. Yep. Though I wasn't even sure, memory-wise, whether it was before or after our launch, because that, that it was, was after. A, yeah, I, it, think, uh, the, I think it was the, after. The date confirms it's after, mm, and, mm -hmm. and I, um, I'll, I'll take the, the date's word for it. But yeah, we, we met. Um, Good thing for it, journals. Yeah, indeed. We met over uh, coffee, and I think you had. I just so bumped you, into you. I think actually. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You you had just launched Subnautica into early access at that point, or let's you see. were about to. Yeah, two thousand. Let's see. Like we fall we launched twenty fourteen. Yeah, we launched in December of okay, fourteen. Okay, so you were just, we were just on the verge of it. To. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And and I mean, and 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 you guys started. I mean, again, it, it spent a good long time in early access. Yeah, three right? years. You weren't. You weren't like two months. You weren't like six months away from shipping the full no. game at that point. No. Um, so, so you had to, do you remember like what your, it must've been a scary time, right? Because, we had no money. Yeah. So we spent all of our NS2 money on this. I see. 
So how long had it been in development? Uh, about let's see, it was about two years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's a good two years, three million bucks. Wow. So I mean, that was we were down to we had a couple hundred k left in the bank. Yeah. And you know, we as I mean, we are super open with the team on this stuff about our finances yeah. and all that stuff. Um, so we just said, Hey guys, uh, it's time to ship to early access. We're running yeah. out of money. I mean, we can go try to raise money or we can talk to our, uh, back then parent company. Maybe, uh, maybe they'll give us a loan. And in fact, they actually did give us a loan. Yeah. Perfect world. They gave us an extra month, which was critical for us. Oh wow. Yeah. Bridge one, loan. one month, alone. one month. Wow. And then we launched early December and we knew that we needed to get profitable right away. Yeah. And the scary thing is we actually weren't. Yeah. We were just below profitability. It wasn't really, it wasn't, I mean, I guess for a lot of teams, it would have been a success, but for a $3 million game, yeah. it was not a success. Based in San Francisco and why Based, not well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And we just, we were, you know, frenzied at that point, trying to figure out how to find the core of this game, yeah. what was working, what wasn't. So this is around, this is right like before January-ish. That time, right before that. I see. Oh, I see. oh, sorry. Yeah. The, yeah. the frenzy, Site Glass was right before that when we met for coffee. Yeah. Story, an original story discussion. Yeah. Yeah. We kind we, of planted the seed. Well, you were, you were still, uh, be, because you, you had like, you had the broad sense of uh, obviously what the game was going to be like a, not really. A, oh, I see. <laughs> just underwater. We just well, knew underwater and non, yeah. nonviolent. I see. Or I should say so, no guns. So even, yeah. even the part where it was going to be like a, like a survival themed game wasn't necessarily. We didn't have survival mechanics in. Oh yeah. We launched you just without had, survival. But you had crafting at least, right? We had crafting. Yeah, okay. We just didn't have hunger, thirst. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And we weren't even planning on it, honestly. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I. I didn't want it. Yeah, and the whole. Um, and obviously the. Whole, yeah, the aspect where it it is more like, aspects of the experience are, uh, I guess if 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 directed is a fair word in the sense mm. that there is a narrative to like c compel you to pursue. Yeah, so it's not just a pure sandbox with like no context whatsoever. Right. There is like a sense of why you're there, what you're trying yeah. to accomplish. Yeah. you know, um, in, in when you play the full game now, all of that came. So came what's from, funny is we, yeah. so yeah, we launched as a quote unquote sandbox. Yeah, you know, no even short term goals, um, and then once we figured out, you know, we added survival that gave a short term goal, and that like I was talking about the yeah. training wheels kind of got players into right. it. They had something immediately that they know they want to do. Yeah. And then over time, the survive the survival gets easier and easier. And then by that time, you have your own goals. Yeah, at least that's the idea. I think most people do. They start saying, "I want to get to a thousand meters down. I want to explore the mushroom forest. I want to board the Aurora. Right. I want to build a base that's you know has like ten aquariums in it." Like they come up with their own goals. And then at some point later, we we noticed this is when Tom got involved. Maybe yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself, but he we kind of noticed that people were really thirsting for a little more meaning at yeah. that point. Like they didn't need it for five, 10, 15 hours, yeah. but then some people really wanted more. And yeah. then we, then we started to want more, right. but we never wanted to push it on players. It's completely optional. It's background. It's a trail of breadcrumbs all over the place. Right. And if you follow the trail, then you get rewarded, but you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes the, it's interesting because players probably, had already been finding meaning in in the world, right? Because they're, they're discovering they they just they're starting to push at the boundaries and, and they're like, yeah, is this all there is? Yeah, you know, it's like midlife, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, Too um, soon. So what was um was there a so so if if you were in dire straits like a couple of months into the 
into the early access launch. Yeah. This is probably early 2015. Yep. Um, was there a specific turning point for it? Yeah. Was there like, a, uh, yeah, could you yeah. describe that moment? I mean, we knew that it was getting, we were in trouble. Yeah. And, you know, because we're open, we told the team, hey guys, this isn't doing so great. We're not sure what we're going to do. Uh, we have that bridge loan to pay back, which is, you know, we don't go into all the details. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we don't need to unnecessarily stress people out. But hey, we need to do something. And I remember I was actually on vacation in Mexico City when we realized, like, cancel the vacation. We got, we have to cut all this crap that was planned for the game. Yeah. It's vague scientific goals, terraforming, ha building habitats. Like, yeah. I had all these, like, lofty abstract you know sciencey non non-combat goals mm -hmm. uh gameplay that we could explore for kind of you know orienting the player in the game and giving them something to do and we just cut all that junk and we focused on the immediate visceral you know kind of phobia style right. fear and the stuff that people were clearly reacting to i see we were just seeing the beginning of the reactions when people like were excited to see like the the bottom of the the ocean drop off into an abyss. Yeah. You know, we had just little tiny bits that you could see their reactions. Right. And then we were getting excited about right. it. So we we basically cut all the the abstract R&D stuff and just focused on the stuff that we knew was working and did it better. Yeah. And that was absolutely the turning point. I mean that awesome. and that and we had a couple features pending that we hadn't released yet, like the Cyclops. Right. We made a game with sub in the name and we had, didn't have a sub in it right. at early access. We launched the sub, the giant Cyclops. People loved that. That gave them a really cool moment when they built it because it's a pretty big achievement in the game. Um, and then late, right after that, we did base building. Right. And so those things, YouTubers latched onto that. Yeah. And then with the cutting and focusing more on the visceral, that really propelled us forward. Yeah. And our sales it, took off. So was that was that that same year when, when you, you made those yeah. like kind of tough. So the, yeah, the, the 2015 release, got it February through the end of 2015 yeah. started off bad, got really good. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, we yeah. had like all top tier YouTubers, Markiplier, right, Jacksepticeye, right, right. basically everyone but PewDiePie. They were <laughs> all, they were just like going bonkers, like dozens and dozens of videos each. They just all picked it up. They just right. all went crazy. Yeah. How, yeah. um, did, did you have, any idea what was going? You had this sense that you know some of some aspects of the game were were resonating with people clearly, like, yeah. like what you said, the, yeah, the kind big of, creatures, yeah, the, the awe. That still must have been a bit. Um, how did it feel like when it was just kind of taking? Did it feel like you were losing control of it? At no, any not time? at all. Yeah, that okay. was awesome. We were so yeah. excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you put up, we it. had this really regular cadence. Right. You know, every four to eight weeks, we're putting out a big headline patch. Yeah. With a trailer website, you know, really trying to promote it. Yeah. And then people, they just go bonkers, you and, know. And you'd already been, I mean, this was already like year three. I think that was year three for the yeah, game. Yeah, okay. Yep. yep. I mean, yeah. we, yeah, no, the team was tremendously excited to see the videos. And then, you know, we just made us feel like we actually are making a good game. Yeah. You know? Was it like a, if you build it, they will come type of moment? Like you felt Pretty like much. you'd, cause you'd been paying your dues on it for so long. Yeah. yeah. And something, something turned and. Something turned, yeah. I mean, I think it was the, I hope it was the empowerment of the team. Yeah. And that we had a pretty good idea of what we were building at that point. I mean, I might be Pollyannish in retrospect. I'm sure I am. But I, I felt like, looking back, I feel like we knew what we were building at that point. Yeah. You know, besides the story, we, ha we hadn't figured that part out yet or if we were going to do it. Yeah. 
and I was actually pretty against it, but because um, I knew how much work it was going to be. Right. Um, it was probably two years of work just for story. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, it was massive. In parallel with, with everything else you were True. doing, of course, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it really changed, like, the content we had to put in the game and, you know, like, yeah, we I had see. to flesh out the Aurora and we put in all these precursor, pri the precursor prisons and the research base and just a huge amount of big assets. Yeah. And that was kind of the next phase after the... It was all continuous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were, and we were actually releasing story bits piece by piece. Yeah. Which was tricky because... I mean, I'm sure you can imagine. I don't know if you're doing that with Hades or not. We we are, yeah, okay. we are. It, it is really um, the. I I think I saw you mentioning, you know, since um, yeah, since the game is in this early access state, there you're having to kind of drip feed um, aspects of this. It's all kind of going in in different states, right? Or yeah. uh, it's not necessarily going in 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 a way that is the most optimal from like a pure storytelling standpoint. Nope, not at all. But it, I mean, it sometimes works. you have to, it works. It yeah. And we, we had to decide that it's okay to spoil players. Yeah, right. And as soon as we let that go, then, and we, and we would occasionally change things yeah. too. I'm pretty sure. I don't, I don't think our story was, was completely um, set in stone. I can't remember. I don't know if we did any been. big pivots on story yeah. after, like if we had released a beat and then like changed it yeah. noticeably. I mean, Tom would know more about that. I, I don't remember. I don't think we did. Yeah. You know, but. We just decided, hey, like, as long as people are playing the game and enjoying the process, like Jonas was talking about how we, we thought of the early access as a show. Right. Yeah. And, and it is. Like, it's an experience. And people, we see people, like, post now, like, now that we're doing it again on the follow-up below zero. Right. People are yeah. like, oh, it's like it's like those glory days when we're, you know, we're all involved and we're, they always use terms like, we're making the yeah. game. And it's like this amazing that people use phrases like that yeah you know that they feel that they feel like they're making right. the game and of course they are in a way yeah. like their their videos and their feedback do direct the game quite yeah. directly i mean quite uh, noticeably but um yeah we just had to let go of being precious about anything right just, and that it helped too because we we had this um experimental branch yeah so twice a day, whether you want it to or not, we automatically build right. the state of the game and release it to everyone that is subscribed to this experimental, which is many thousands of players. Right. I don't actually it's probably tens or hundreds of thousands of players. And we would see people, even people like Markiplier would make videos playing, and playing that version on the experimental yeah. version because they didn't want to wait for the next patch. You guys ever break break the build on huge. That? <laughs> huge. I remember at one of our retreats yeah. we saw we had just put Rex in. And we saw we saw a bug. We saw a whole video oh. where Markiplier was basically exploring the bugs. <laughs> it was like he would swim down and see a wreck. Well, he would see where a wreck was spawning. Yeah. Except the wreck itself wouldn't spawn, but all the loot inside the wreck would. Oh, so, so it's just this. Bizarre, you would just yeah. is this bizarre like swim up to an area, and all of a sudden, all this random loot would appear in the in the water, and then just all drift down to the bottom, and then you get like he'd get stuck on some invisible geometry somewhere, and we're just like grimacing, and this is like you know four million view yeah, video, yeah, yeah. and you're like, and that again, I come back to this reframing idea, uh, but we had to reframe it where we were we were happier. It's better to get a view of a bug than not to get a view. Right, especially as a quote unquote independent, as anyone, as anyone yeah, making yeah. a game, it's better to get a buggy view than no view. Yeah, that's the world we live in now. Yeah, that's how and, we think of it. 
No, indeed, indeed, and um, I, I think you, um, I found uh, uh, back back to some of what you were discussing in your talk. Um, you talked about this idea of uh, of like listening to the game yeah. and and just um, actually found that to be one of the most um, the the part that really stuck with me um, the most in your talk, especially in um, since there was a connection. You 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 cited like a Stephen King. Yeah. quote from his uh, from on writing where he kind of describes this process where at a certain point the characters in his stories kind of take on a life yeah. of their own and i i relate to that a lot in uh, from a writing standpoint but there's a the broader um connection to working on a game like this yeah. where you know some of these wh whatever best laid plans you had about terraforming and whatever at a certain point like you're you're more of a steward of this yep. game and and like your own specific expectations about it have to fall by the wayside for what it really is shaping up to be and what's, what's compelling yep. about it. Um, but, but how, like, were there, how do you kind of swallow? I mean, I guess you've explained some of it. I was going to ask, how do you swallow your pride around that? I guess when you're about to, um, you know, when, when, when the studio is running out of money, that, that could be one way. Yeah, um, that's true. But, but how do it, you know, I don't think we're precious about that stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I think, but also it's not like we just went for the biggest views and we just made that game. Yeah. It wasn't like we didn't have our desires. We were just true to our desires. We just, you know, it's like the one mountain, many paths. You yeah. Know, like, you know, the mountain and as long as you get to the top of the mountain, you're super happy. Right. But the path itself, you just have no idea. Right. So when we saw how the terror stuff was working, we were excited. Yeah. It's just like, we learned like it, the game is actually better than we thought it was. Than right, we thought right, it, right, it was right, originally. These so other we, these other things you that. thought would be necessary to making it good, they're not even necessary anymore. Not necessary. Yeah. In fact, they're a distraction. Yeah, that was our big hope with um, making an early access game for the first time. Mm -hmm. like I was going to say, I think this is your first. Yeah, right? it is yeah. absolutely. Wow. Our previous games have been these kind of like one and done affairs, right? Where um, yeah. for for our last two games, we spent they spent three years in the making and then. Um, they have these kind of decisive endings, so there isn't even really room for a continuation. This is referring to Pyre and, and Transistor. Yep. We release them, and then um, we, you know, that's it. It's this big cathartic moment, but um, we we find ourselves, I certainly found myself about halfway through each of those projects, realizing how like committed we were to the specific ideas that we yeah to like specific decisions that we'd already made and like, well, we just have to finish this now. And we, we would find ourselves sometimes kind of rat holing on highly specific aspects of the experience during production. And it's like, mm. man, we just need to make a decision here and move on because like we're, we're, we're fighting over some small detail of this game that probably is going to be inconsequential for most, like the, the, yeah. the big stuff is already decided about this game. So we just need to finish it and get it out there and see what everybody thinks. Um, but the the exciting aspect of early access was like we could get an idea out there sooner and then make hopefully more refined decisions along the way about how to shape it from there and because uh, because we'll have that feedback we'll know what the equivalent of what you're saying like this aspect of the game really resonates with people so yeah. why don't we invest more in this aspect rather than doing all this stuff where we are on even, something new that you yeah. don't even have any data on. Yeah. We don't even know if like we maybe have a hunch that 
this is valuable to the experience or that people will like it, but it's really hard. Like, especially if you've been working on it for a couple of years already, yeah. you get very close to it. You, do, you don't know if you, you don't, don't have that feedback. And you can still prototype that stuff. And we did. Yeah. And some of those, I'm, I'm sure I have to think about some specific examples, but we would prototype stuff and release it and, you know, find out, you know, it's not like we weren't experimenting still. Yeah. You know, we were, um, and it was a continuous process for seeing what resonated with the community. It wasn't just like a, wasn't really a fork in the road. It was just like a, I don't know. It's like a, it was a continuous process. Right. It was constant. And, and you're, um, and the, the game is like, there, there's a lot of specific, like atmospheric detail mm -hmm. in the game that, um, another, uh, to tie back to another thing you were talking about, you know, sometimes it's important. You refer to the kind of the idea of the, the minimal crappy product to, yeah, use, yeah. to use your term of like MCP. just CP. So, yeah, heard it here first. That's mine, everyone. <laughs> sometimes you just have to get something in there, right? Like you yeah, can't, you yes. can't spend too much time getting the prototype to yeah. get too fancy when you just need to get the yeah. idea uh, on the board. But then at a certain point, there is, the, you. there is that gap, right? Where you, yeah. where you do want to polish it and make it like, how did you, um, did you find yourselves like polishing as you like, like when, when do you make room to kind of make it good um, yeah. and get past the the initial sort of uh, crummy prototype where you have to use too much imagination? I mean, I know Blizzard says you, you should polish all along the way. Yeah. And we try. Of course, yeah. every team tries. I mean, we actually had a polish period at the end of the game, okay, which yeah. we've never done before. Right. And it was amazing. We actually had time to spend three months just fixing bugs, tuning, removing little, you know, sanding all the rough edges. Yeah. And it helped us a ton. I mean, I can only imagine if we had another three months. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess we could have. We actually had the budget. We could have. Yeah. But we just wanted to finish it. it yeah, was ready, yeah. You know? I was going to ask about that, too. Like, how did you, how did you know, um, you know, the... Did you hear the the kind of award speech music faintly playing in your head as far <laughs> no. as like when when is it time to like no. when, when do you know when you're done when it when it I comes? mean we were starting to get sick of working on yeah, it I see. you know I mean at least I was yeah because I was a year actually no I was like six or eight months before the, the rest of the team yeah it was myself and this uh, this guy Steve we started working on the game together the original prototypes right. so we led we you know predated the team by half a year I almost see, a yeah. year. So by the time everyone else got on, like I was, and by the time we got to that point four or five years later, I'm yeah. like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do something else. Yeah. Well, so then I have to so, ask, cause yeah. I was, I was impressed and surprised that you went from like, I think almost, almost to the day, like uh, one, one year after, yeah. is this correct? One year after the, the yeah. 1.0 launch of Subnautica, yeah. you have Subnautica below zero. Yeah, that's right. So I was like, man. Yeah. You went from and it, and it's a it's a new game in in kind of the universe of yeah. of Subnautica our Arctic setting same yeah. same planet right yeah um, same planet the um, one year one year later new character yeah so yeah. how how do you like um, is what what was the what was the clean break there like how do you, how how did that not uh, like how do you get worked up and excited for that when when you're also coming off of working on a game that you feel like you you've you know you've been working on it for uh, a long time so i the, i think the team like we so we have these because we're a distributed team yeah we like have these retreats every eight months or so and we had we had our release party and we all went to mexico and um we had this big you know really celebration basically a week-long yeah, celebration that's and awesome it's really fun 
And we started talking about what are we going to do next? Yeah. But that was like a week after 1.0. We didn't oh, know wow. we were going to yeah, do an expansion. Yeah, yeah. We're right? like that too. We never really? have, okay. yeah, we, um, people are surprised f- about that. <laughs> like we, how can you focus on that? You got, yeah. Yeah. You, got, you have to finish the game. That's Work right. on the game. Yeah. That's There's our no mindset. Room. Exactly. Yeah. We don't, we don't count our chickens before they hatch and all that. We, we know that after we're done with a game, we're going to feel different. So anything yes. that we plan before then, we're probably going to want to do something else after that. Yes. Yeah. So you were, you were saying. Yeah. That. So then we. You know, we just started talking about what we want to do next, yeah. and do we want to do Subnautica two? Do we want to just follow it up with something smaller, something different? And um, the team just seemed to get really excited around this Arctic concept. Yeah. And then Tom, Tom Jubert, the writer, um, I can't remember. I think he actually had like a small pitch that he put together while we were there. Oh, cool. And we just started talking, okay, and you know, everyone's exciting. like drinking wine and yeah. swimming, and you know, you're out of your, you're not in front of your computer, yeah. so your mind is open, and you know, people, you're hearing Spanish everywhere, and I don't know, it's just a, it's a, puts you in a different mindset. Yeah. And uh, people just started to get excited about this Arctic idea. I mean, we had already thought about Arctic beforehand, yeah. and it actually, at the end of Subnautica, you actually get a glance. Right, right. There's like a little camera turn that looks at the Arctic zone yeah. without giving away the spoilers for the ending. Um, so we, we had no, we knew it was coming, but we yeah. just didn't know like sequel or we just didn't know the specifics. Yeah, I see. Um, but I'm actually not working on that. I am not as oh. excited about Subnautica. I mean, I love it. I yeah. love the world, but I need to do something else. I see. So I'm actually working on a different game. So we're making the transition to a two-game company right now. Oh, very which cool. Which is I, really I painful. <laughs> I, 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 can, I can imagine... That's yeah. oh, that's so many people go I out of realize that. Yeah, they go out of business when they do that, and we always we tried it once actually and failed, and when, we're trying when was it that? again. That was uh, at the beginning of Subnautica. Oh, we, interesting. Yeah, we had a game called Future Perfect, which is kind of like okay. a modding platform, um, and like a kind of a Gary's mod where you could make your own games, yeah. almost Robloxy a little bit, but higher fidelity. And we, yeah, I don't know why I don't know why that didn't work, but we yeah. tried it. I mean, looking back, I. It's the same problems we're having now. Yeah. Like, you know, a, a company is kind of like a family, you know? So you, you have these dynamics that work because right. everyone has right. learned their place. And when you start to break it up into into two new teams, like whole, you know, responsibilities or, you know, areas of responsibilities disappears and yeah. then stuff doesn't work anymore. You yeah. have to, we, oh, we need somebody else to like direct this game. We need somebody else to do the writing, you know? Someone else to do all the technical leadership. So you basically have to hire I see. again. And then, but yeah, it's complicated. So you're in so the thick of that right now. We're in the thick of that now. I see. Yep. Yep. You, and you're, the, the project you're focused on is not, that's not announced it, or anything. No, that, no, we haven't yeah, announced right. it. It's actually very far along. Yeah. Oh, and wow. it's nothing like Subnautica. It's yeah. completely different. We, we're like, oh, I guess you guys stick more to a genre. We've well, kind of, I guess you've, yeah, yeah. you start, yeah. We've kind of you have the same camera. Done, done I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's kind of like us, actually. We have the same camera, yeah, but we for, switch genres. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. I mean, it's part of the part of the pleasure of being a smaller studio. Is we don't get too bound by our. E- even though we've been fortunate to have successes, like it's you know we didn't make Halo or like we 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 can we can justify going to do something different and we when we thought about our future we're like we we'd rather look back and be able to say that we tried doing a lot of different things um that's amazing it, it would have been easy to just for us to just go and make more bastion games or something after our initial right. success but it, it was more felt more exciting and more more scary just more everything kind of yeah. creatively 
invigorating to go and try and do something else uh, after after our first game. So how big are you guys now? We we grew to we grew to eighteen over the last wow. year. Wow. We okay, were, I had we no were, idea. We were twelve. Um, we were seven people on Bastion, and then we grew to twelve for Transistor, and basically we stayed twelve from something like what was it like 20 from 2012 until last year we were 12 people. And then we grew quite a bit for, for Hades yeah. knowing that we wanted to get the first version out there relatively soon. Um, Cause we had just launched Pyre in basically late July of 2017. And then, you know, only, only a year and change later we had our next, our next game out. I wish there, so we, we could make games every three well, years, like finished games oh, or something well, like that. Well, make them, make them <laughs> uh, small and don't make them uh, open world, you know? Yeah, I guess so. so. That, that, I can, guess so. that can help constrain them. God, that's um, awesome. Are but, you, yeah, yeah I, have, I may have questions for you, but like, so oh, why, sure. why are you on, uh, why are you on the Epic Store exclusively? I mean, I'm sure Epic oh, is incentivizing people. But. Yeah, we're, since it's an early access thing, it's like we didn't feel like we can conduct early access in multiple places, period. Oh. Yeah. Huh. So that that's that's kind of the main. Oh, it's, you can. It's, you guys, it's easy. You, you know, you guys have uh, are demonstrating that that is in fact possible. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, so are you worried about the community, like the community no, outreach? I, no. For us, I mean, we don't we 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 ain't got your chops when it comes to this. <laughs> it's you, not you, hard. you may say it's easy for us. Yeah. It's a we want to we want to take our careful steps into into okay. these into, into early these access. Yeah, like we, um, you know, we're up to like eighteen or so updates since. Uh, since our December launch. So okay. we've been updating the game. We we do major updates on roughly a monthly basis, but we then do a lot of like follow-up. We yep. we really value the uh, kind of the, the speed of iteration being yeah. able to focus on a single version of the game. So that's where we're at with it right now. But once, once early access is complete, we plan to bring it to a bunch of different platforms. So you're so. only comfortable in early access for like a few million players? We, um, or however many <laughs> it's going to be. I mean, we yeah. want, we actually... If we had all our players right now, we'd be screwed anyway, right? Like we need we yeah. we want for the player base to grow over time and and okay. again, like we if we had if we had like millions of people all giving us feedback, we would be completely overwhelmed and yeah. we would have other problems. Like we have we have just the right oh, okay. uh, audience where okay. like we can get real we put we put a new update out there, we could get real time feedback yeah. on it yeah. um and and be like really responsive with our community. But uh, but um, it's not it's not so like deafening okay. to where uh, to where it puts us in a state of like paralysis or anything like we right. we but again this is from our point of view of working on games in relative uh, isolation I guess right. for a lot so so the idea of having to like work on them um, like with a spotlight. Yeah. on us from yeah. community That's hard like we knew already yeah we knew it was going to take additional time but and we had some sense of it but but without having the lived experience we just like yeah. went into it with an abundance of caution i think just are, to, are you yeah. getting uh like fight back on your on your team about this releasing stuff in the public eye before it's done um not or i guess it's not really before it's done yeah no, no i mean i think everyone like we we planned this game like this being an early access game was like the before there was even a theme for this game there was the decision to make it an early access game so it all actually okay. started from a decision to want to get like a, a kind of a a representative slice of it out there and then continue to build it okay. um uh, uh, in, instead of making yeah one of our one of our games that has like a very 
fixed and specific amount of content to yeah. it, a game that we could like grow more organically and, and kind of listen to yeah. it more, yeah. uh, kind of like what you were saying. So, um, so everyone, while, while we were, um, certainly for someone like, so I was, I was very gung ho about the idea myself, but, but it's also, it's also a scary thing for someone like me, you know, working on the stories of our games. Cause it's, yeah, it course. seems antithetical to, um, to working on a narrative game to have to do it kind of in the, in the public eye. But, but even that aspect proved to be really exciting. It's like, well, yeah. I bet we can, this will just be different and we could treat it more like a serial, almost like a show, like what you were saying where it's expanding over time and we can just have, uh, turn it into this kind of living experience mm -hmm. in, instead of just a one-off like, like our previous game. So that was, um, both a mix of for sure there's some aspects of that that are scary but uh, but on the whole it was exciting uh, for us to pursue um yeah now we're now we're in the thick of it yeah. still maybe in the honeymoon phase a little bit because okay. we only launched a, a few months ago so we'll see how it is um you, you know come whatever october something like that once we're yeah. grizzled veterans right. in the early access thing but but yeah so far so good our, do you think our, it's improving the quality of your game it, it is for sure that's yeah a, i mean it, it just like objectively is doing that um the, between between issues that just are like there's stuff in the game that even our team like our community immediately found almost everything about the game right like whereas whereas players mm -hmm. on the team there was stuff that was in there that I think no one, no one person on the team had seen yeah. uh, all of it, especially yeah. with like a roguelike kind of ra random randomized structure. But um, so yeah, players have, it's really, it feels really good when the stuff you put into the game that you know that it can get seen and given feedback. And I, I'm sure with a game yeah. like yours, that's really important as yeah, well. When, when there's stuff deliberately put into like, dark corners yeah. of the world and it's yeah. like if no one experiences it like yeah. how do you even know if it's any good yeah um, absolutely so so that part that part has been um invigorating for sure so there's uh, you know um it 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 has its um it's not like i don't know that it's like a strictly better way to make games or anything like it's 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 really good for certain types of games mm. is, is my my feeling when it comes to the early access thing. And it seemed so we've seen such great success stories with it, including mm -hmm. Subnautica and mm -hmm. these games like Slay the Spire and Dead Cells in the yep. last couple of years that yep. were like, man, some of these games have really managed to do it right. Mm -hmm. um, and those are, and then we've seen other cases where it, it seemed like it was more of a struggle um, where maybe the relationship with the community has been more, um, I don't know. I I guess that's a whole another yeah uh, can of worms. But like we we were inspired by we found we found common patterns among games that we we perceived to like yeah do do a good job with early access and their relationship with our community and how they were gathering feedback mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff. It's funny that you said it may not be a an, like an objectively better way to make games, and I'm like, yes, it is. Yeah, maybe. But it then, is. but but then yeah. I was thinking. We're actually not doing early access really on this other new game. Oh, interesting. So, I mean, I guess in the past we needed to do early access and I love it. And in general, it's my comfort zone. Yeah. But it isn't like not, it's not the way to do every game. Right. Like if we, that was part of it for us and why we chose the theme that we did. And so like, I think 
like for our, uh, you know, back, back when we were talking over coffee, we had just shipped transistor transistor is like a, it's like a six hour, like narrative heavy game. That game would really not have worked well yeah. in early access at all yeah. because people would have burned through all the content in a day. Yep. Um, and it would have been really, really bad because that's a game that comes into its own, um, when the polish is there, it's a game that is like yep. the minimum crappy product for like two and a half years or something like that. And then you kind of put on the finishing touches and it kind of comes together in the atmosphere, right. You know, suddenly breathes life into the experience, but yep. for the longest time, it's just not really worth people even playing it outside of the team or people with like sufficient context for it. And the play yeah. tests are excruciating and we wouldn't yeah. have known what to do with the feedback. So, um, Whereas now we're making a game that's designed around replayability, so it just yep. makes more sense. Yeah, it makes um, sense. And w with with Subnautica, did you find that players they just kind of stick with their save and keep like they would they yeah. like re restart a lot, or would they just kind of stick with their existing? So character? I mean, early on, actually, I was really hoping that it was going to be more of a roguelike kind of game. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we had to throw that away. That was painful, but so we started off doing procedural generation of the of the world. Right. And the people, I guess we just couldn't ever get the visual quality up to where yeah. we wanted it. And we realized, uh, well, we had, we decided to do a PAX demo, like before early access. And we knew that we could not get the random generation working well enough to demo it. Right. So we were like, okay, screw this. Let's just make like one little set piece. We're just going to hand build everything, yeah. you know, out of voxels. And then we looked at the quality and like, this better. is what we want. Like, yeah. It's so clear. This is, again, the thing I was talking about. It's like the building your way forward. Yeah. If we hadn't built that, we wouldn't have immediately known this is the way forward. We could have just been stuck doing procedural stuff for the next six months. Interesting. Or maybe even maybe even shipping that and shipping something subpar. Yeah. So, yeah, we wanted to do more roguelike. And then we ended up, I mean, people mostly, mostly continue their saves, I think. Um, although we had a perception in, in the community that we weren't backwards compatible with our saves oh. because we had a really confusing upgrade save message that was like oh. in red. Yeah. And it just, it was like, I don't know why this thing was so confusing for people, but it was, it just said something like, you know, if we've upgraded a biome that you have in your save game, like we're going to overwrite your save yeah, where that biome was updated. Like if we replace one biome with another and you have yeah. a base in that place, it's going to be blown away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to keep okay, the game right. integrity. And it, it, I don't, I've never met anyone that said they lost something in a save game. Yeah. But like half the people think that we didn't support backwards, backwards compatibility. Interesting. It just kind of terrified. It just, it was yeah. like the red and yeah. it happened every time and we were patching all the time. So it just, I don't know. I don't know what the lesson is there, but. Yeah. yeah. No, the, 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 the messaging <laughs> is to, as someone who has to write all those okay. uh, types of messages among others, it's, it is, uh, the, the word the word the choice really and, and the kind of intensity of it is uh, is but a early, fascinating subject. But early access, you can now like revise yeah, that. Yeah, really, right. You can see it. You know. Yeah, we have like whatever all kinds of abilities and stuff that I'm constantly evolving the text and so, yeah, right. people give feedback. They'll be like, what 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 is it? you know? They'll alert us to the fact that things are confusing that we would have yeah. just never. We yeah. would have just shipped them right. Um, like we wouldn't have thought twice, but it gives us a chance. To update those things and 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 players are receptive to it. Be, yeah, you know they're they're okay with it. They understand it's in early access and um, that that things like that can evolve. Yeah, um, and if they don't like it, they shouldn't be playing EA. Early yeah, access, that's you know? yeah, that's right. You um, can wait. Find a wait. 
Yeah. But it's also fine to buy the game to support the developer and just not play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the the experience I've I've often had just as a player of early access, you, you know, like Darkest Dungeon or mm-hmm. Dead Cells or something like that. Like I, I was really inspired by the, those games that like they they were amazing. I think from the At moment launch, they launched, they were. Yeah, yeah, and I and I played they a ton really of them. They really upped the ante on launching early access. Yeah. Games. So so we you know, but I still didn't. So I I played a a lot of those games when they first came out, but I didn't like stick with them. You know, I didn't like play every one of their. Up- I yeah, then came too. back to them after after they yep. after they were done. Yep. Um And I felt great about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, but now it's funny. Now I look at with our game. It's like, are we? You know, are players sticking with it and all this stuff? <laughs> right. I have to remind myself that people can yes. like it, but choose not to like sort of engage burn themselves every out. single update. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know that. Um, so that's that's an interesting experience with it. Yeah. Um. As, as you know as long as they check it out once once all is said and done but it does feel like putting on a show uh, yeah. as we go and there there's a fun experience there to to be able to stick with it and feel like you're you're making an impact um, I, I kind of think of it like the if you go to a restaurant and you sit at the bar which can look into the kitchen oh yeah yeah you know yeah, that's interesting that's kind of what it's like it you just want to see what's going on behind there and it may not be the most comfortable seat in the restaurant but like you get you're getting a view yeah. onto like how it's made. It's, it's the real, wonderful. It's the real deal. Yeah. yeah, and you you appreciate the end result kind of more when you see people just kind of absolutely ch- chipping away at it. Or you felt like you learned something, or you felt felt like you were on the inside for an evening, even yeah. if you you know you weren't exactly. But you know, it's not for everyone. But some people really love it. Yeah. So so yeah. I I wanted to uh, go back to story. one of the oh well the, oh, there's story. I know you wanted I to talk about to, story. No, I want to talk. I I. I'm interested in story too. I, I'm really interested in how um, I was going to talk about how your just your kind of evolving role as as game director oh, yeah. as well, yeah. because there there's this constant push and pull. I think for someone in your position that it, it sounds like you're still very close to your games. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But there's I think there's like something that can happen to folks in your position that over time you become more and more distant from the game and more and more mm. responsible uh, just, oh. just for the, you, you know, you're, you're focused purely for... on the studio level and yeah. on the team. And you're more of like a, you know, you've transcended. Yeah, yeah you've, you've transcended from working on the game and you have like a more like, you used, you used to work on real-time strategy games, right? Yeah. You have more of like a commander type <laughs> right. of role and not you're not on the field. Right. But it sounds like you've uh, very deliberately yeah. stayed close to the game. So yeah. how, how do That's you That's why find... I'm here. Yeah. I'm not here to run a company. I mean, I do have to run the company, yeah. and I enjoy that. But at the end of the day, like if uh, if I don't have to work, then what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my spare time? It's going to be making games. Right. It's not going to be like hiring people and helping them with their careers and figuring out how to do profit sharing and all that extra stuff. Which I I actually really do like business, and I I read business books for fun yeah. basically. But um, at the end of the day, it's building games. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be programming necessarily, but designing, prototyping, watching people play, playing the game. That's, that's what yeah. I love. And you're in there tuning, you know, tuning the numbers. Oh, and yeah. The tech. Yeah. So although, although for Subnautica, yeah. the kind of cool thing was I, the last six months, I was like pretty much burned out of it. Right. And I didn't really feel like I was that necessary anymore because yeah. I was kind of just guiding it, like doing the original prototypes. Yeah. And then like making, helping make decisions on lots of things. And, you know, building tools like actual uh in-game tools like you know 
ter- terraforming right. and, you know, the crafting menus. I did a lot of that stuff. But over time, I realized I actually, I don't even know all the, like, if you want to tune the loot in Subnautica, you kind of have to know the entire world map. Yeah, right. And I don't know that. Like, right. I'm, I didn't build it. But we have someone, this guy Michael on our team, who did build a lot of it. I mean, we have three level designers, yeah. uh, sometimes four. And so who is better at tuning the loot? It's, he's way better yeah. at it. So he just took over. So it, at some point, I just kind of like slowly back walked away from everything and everything just kept going. Yeah. So the last six months, the team did everything. I mean, maybe they would occasionally ask for help on something if they wanted feedback on something. But for the most part, I didn't have to. And then, um, and then transitioned on working on a new game and then finding, let's see. Yeah. Wait, your question was, oh yeah. Yeah. No, you're game answering. direction and yeah. business. Okay. And at some point I just realized, okay, the business is suffering because I don't I want to be spending my time on the business. You know, I wasn't doing one-on-ones with people, yeah. you know, with 30 plus people. The, it's a full-time job just to yeah. do one-on-ones. Yep. And then you throw in the business and the legal and all the agreements that are happening, all the distribution and stuff. We knew we needed someone else to help. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about hiring a president for a long time, probably four years, and we never had the money, and we never could find the right person, and we found the right person, and we have the money right now. We just hired someone. He's amazing, Ted. Oh, excellent. He's taking over all the business yeah, yeah, yeah. and doing it way better than I ever have. He's fixing – he's basically just fixing our business. I see. Which is amazing. So now I'm just focused on making can, games. That's that's yeah. great, and that's it's where incredible. you want to be. That's where I want to be. That's where I'm yeah. good. You know, yeah. like I'm not great at the business. So. Right. But then yeah. you, it must be really, it sounds like you've just had many experiences around it at this point, like ha, it, like having the presence of mind to notice what are those times when you should let go and kind of, yeah. um, when you, I'm holding you, it back basically, yeah, because I'm doing a half-assed job. How, when, um, are, was there a time when it was more difficult to, when you were kind of more possessive around it because because i think mm-hmm. i think for a lot of yeah developers who are are like really part of small teams really close to many aspects of their games that that can be really hard to like you used to do the tuning of yeah. the system but now you're like like now i'm not going to do this anymore you got to find someone better and once yeah. you find someone better you're like you gladly hand it over i see you right? just have to at that point you just see it right you see that someone else can they're just better yeah like Michael is better at that. He's way more rigorous about this stuff than I am. And when he wants to, when he wants to present like a, a sweeping loot change, he's like researched all these different avenues. Yeah. You know, like when by the time people are ready to criticize it, he's he's already done. He's got the counter answer for everything because he actually he's more rigorous than I am. Yeah. I'm a little more impulsive. Right. Maybe a lot more impulsive. But um. So same thing with Ted. Yeah. He's just gonna run the business better. I don't. I don't. I'm happy to give over the keys. Yeah, yeah. And I know at some point I'm going going to be dead and we don't want the business to die when that happens. Yeah. So be around. We, yeah. yeah, we want this. This thing needs to keep going anyways. And now we're also making the transition potentially to start allowing other player, other players, other people on the team to be making their own games. I see. We're just starting to explore that. So not everything has to go through me. Yeah. What a terrible process to have everything go through me and my taste. Right. I've already been wrong so much on subnautica like if i was the one making all the decisions on that game we wouldn't the game wouldn't be where it is Interesting. so we yeah. want other people to be able to to feed into that and start new projects and, and then then we have something that's really growing and exploding yeah yeah that that's 
that, that's amazing. That's I mean, amazing. That yeah. makes sense. The transition, it's hard, but. So, so what's your, what's your favorite, you, you know, you've gone, you've had to shift focus, you know, you, you've gone from like the most kind of micro level tuning of your games to like yeah. having to do the, the most high level kind of business decisions, including yeah. those really tough, uh, conversations about, you know, the, the state of the, the fate of the entire studio. Right. So right. what, um, is there an aspect of it that, that is your like, abs- what, what's, what's the, your absolute favorite aspect of what you do activity yeah or um, uh, oh just just like favorite your, your favorite part of your yeah. work over the years is there the thing prototyping that, new games i see yeah yeah that's the thing you'll that's never that's the thing <laughs> they'll just have like, to claw that away from you yeah right? no i love to make like here's here's a new game idea like yeah. here's the music here's the feel here's it you know and it's, and it's working you know it's a playable game yeah um those minimum crappies are just so thrilling yeah and i do it as much as I can. I actually do it less on video games these days. I do it more on board games. Yeah. Oh, I that, wanted to ask you about board yeah. games. Cause I know, uh, yeah, like on your, um, you like, like, uh, you, yeah, you've written a lot about board games uh-huh. uh, over the years and stuff. Uh, yeah. I, I so. just, I guess I got less interested in the technical part of yeah. making video games and there is so much technical and I mean, I'm a decent programmer, but I, it, it is going to always hold me up. Right. It's going to slow me down. And I spend so much time in front of my computer already. I kind of, in my spare time, I don't necessarily want to spend more time. Yeah. So with a board game, it's like, it's the land of pure design. Yeah. And so you can just try crazy things and you know, you, in an hour you can have a playable game. Yeah. You know, and then you have, invite your friends over and you try it. And sometimes it's magic on the table. Other times it usually it falls flat, but yeah, there's something there that gets you excited. I feel like the games you've worked on, um, like the, 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 the video games you've worked on are pretty different. Like, like I wouldn't necessarily, um, right. Assume that, yeah. that you, you, you have a more experiential. Yeah. yeah. So have you ever, I'm super into systems actually. Th- that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. The, that, that is, systems. that part is evident. Yeah. Okay. The, um, th- do you, do you enjoy the, the separation there or would you ever like want to make something that is more like a, a video game that is more, board game in its oh yeah i would love to yeah i see yeah i would love to i don't really think it's necessarily a great yeah. idea but um yeah i mean more system systems i'm yeah. i'm in i mean no more than is required of course not yeah. systems just for systems but i'm more excited about um like a single system to rule them all right it's like the most beautiful system that you just is endlessly extensible you know are, are there certain like what are the must play board games as someone with like I with mean, the refined taste around them. That, oh you know, man! If 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 yeah. nothing immediately. No, no, they definitely comes, do. I mean, the yeah. two that jump out at me right now are Keyforge okay. and Scythe. Yeah, and maybe maybe Wingspan. Wingspan is really interesting. Um, but Keyforge is from the from Richard Garfield, the okay, Mag- yeah, Magic yeah, yeah. the Gathering creator, yeah. and he worked for like a decade on on this new game, wow. and he removed mana from Magic. Yeah, which is shocking, right. and he removed uh, deck customization. So you buy a deck and it's it's pre-built. That's it. Yeah. And you know about it? Or no, no, no I okay. I, I'm I'm like I'm I I'm really interested, but very removed. I okay. Okay. I don't Let have my uh, you play, playing group. So I'm I'm asking. Okay, we have another hour for Keyforge. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's no. true. Maybe maybe it's a dangerous line of yeah, questioning. I'll do it real quick. Yeah. But you buy a deck that's unique. Yeah. It's now we have you know essentially the factory technology to build decks on demand right. at a large scale. So every deck is unique, has a unique card back, a unique name, 
and, oh, wow. and the card distribution inside is is guaranteed unique in the world. Weird. Yeah. So it's super weird. So you yeah. buy a deck. It's 100% unique. You now discover your deck. Yeah. So you play your deck. You can't change it. Yeah. You know, anyone would know instantly if you changed it because the cards don't match. Right. I see. So yeah, the backs are different. Uh, though people in practice, they don't seem to check because nobody wants to customize yeah. their deck. That's the, You wouldn't play this game if you wanted to customize. And now you have... This little, it's basically like a, a microcosm that yeah. you're exploring and you're getting to know your deck. And it, you might play, I mean, the first time you play a deck, you'll see what it's doing. Yeah. And it has at certain attributes and you maybe you resonate with it, maybe you don't. Maybe you're, you realize, oh man, this, these two cards really fight against these two cards. Yeah. Why did they put them in together? But I think these other cards are so powerful, I think I, can, I know how to mitigate these, the, the bad matches. So I'm going to learn how to play this game, and I'm going to learn to mitigate the weaknesses so I can focus on the strengths. Yeah. How are, how are those decks being... Is a designer somewhere creating those decks? No. But oh. there's an algorithm that... I mean, Richard hasn't yeah. talked much about it, but he's talked enough about it, and yeah. I've researched it. I think I know how he's doing it. It's actually very simple. They are they are being... So they are being generated. They're being generated. Like, yeah. syner synergistically or whatever. It's yeah. super intelligent. Yeah. I mean, you get a deck, and you can see what it's doing. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. you see... When it's you not play just it, random. No. Yeah, it's right. like, this deck is unique. It's based around this one card, this one yeah. strategy. And, and they might have, like, three of those cards. Yeah. And you're just going to, like, hit the person with that card. So that, really cool. that was... A, it blew, blew my mind. It has all these wonderful side effects. Yeah. Like, the meta... The game's meta is not static. Yeah. Because, you know, Magic or any other customizable card game, Netrunner, people find optimal strategies yeah. and they just build decks and they they all kind of group think right. because it's the best or we think it's the best. And that doesn't happen in Keyforge. Interesting. You just have to play your deck. Like, you just got to get good at your deck. Or right. get you can buy a bunch of decks and then choose which one you think is the best if you want. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, but since you can't, yeah, since you can't mix cards from different decks. Right, the community so. can't coalesce around one idea, one yeah. strategy. Which keeps it super refreshing and yeah. all the cards get played. Yeah. Which yeah. is, if you're making a game, you want your whole game to be played. You don't want 90% of it to get yeah, thrown yeah, away because yeah. it's less good than the rest. I've been playing Hearthstone for five years. Me so too. I know. Oh, I'm, yeah. I love Hearthstone oh, dude. so oh, much. Man. We have to talk about this hour. We, yeah, here's yeah. Our, here's one yeah. more hour. Yeah. Okay, another hour. Yeah, because that, but that's that's an, yeah, an example of uh, as, as wonderful as that game is. Yeah, for sure. There's like, um, they, they release a set of 130 cards and... <gasps> A, a relatively small percentage of them see a majority of play, and some never. Get I find it really wasteful. Yeah, yeah like, it's, all, think about all that work going into yeah, making all. No, those they all cards. get the same. And surely there are cards in each set that get like an inordinate amount of work, uh, yeah. but never, never get played. Yeah. They never get played. Yeah. Or and if you play them, you people think you're a dumbass. Yeah, or you're now just you kind feel of crappy, memeing around or whatever. Right? Yeah, people. Yeah. I mean, that's not good. Yeah, Put work into a game to make your players feel like crap. <laughs> like you feel like crap because you get the card yeah. or you feel like crap because somebody shames you for using it. Yeah. And then you then you play a game. You're playing a game where people think that you feel bad about yourself because of your choices before the game started. Yeah, there's a come there's on. a kind of an elitism that can come with the card totally. games. Like, oh, you're playing, you're playing, you're playing that. Oh, game. you're like level four. Yeah. You don't, you don't know anything, scrub. Yeah. No, yeah. that's a which when when you have card rarity, maybe some of that is kind of unavoidable. Of like, oh, I have all the, I have all the fancy, you know, rare cards, and you right. just have the the cheap. I spent more or played more. Yeah, and therefore I am better. Well, yeah, so no good. yeah, no, I didn't know you were um, into into. I, I I knew you were interested in board games, but card yeah. games is specifically as well. Uh, yeah. Hearthstone is my first, um, uh, like. Uh, like, digital like, like my first game. like CCG really. Yeah, I oh, played so, I played yeah, a little okay. bit of Magic, but yep. 
um i i didn't really have the the like real life like playing group to really get into a yep. ton of board games and stuff and so it's nice to have the the kind of digital it's counterparts amazing, for that it? kind of experience yeah because they're pure like systems games like what you're saying and it's just yeah. all about how to mix and match the the pure rules of it and it's the cards basically right it's the exact cards the system is so light right you know it's amazing and i hate to say it i don't know if i hate to say it but i think hearthstone is actually better than magic I never would have believed that I could say that. But the I think the refinement of it, right? Yeah, just it's everything, sh- everything yeah. about it is better than Magic. <laughs> <laughs> and Magic is my favorite game of all time. Basically. Oh, interesting. I mean, it's up there. Yeah. Cosmic Encounter is technically my favorite. Oh, game of Cosmic all time, Encounter, but, which That's is Magic. You yeah, know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't see. I wouldn't necessarily like be able to uh, detect like magic influence in in the games you've worked on at Unknown Worlds. Oh, the face of it. But just I'm, wait I, a little bit. Yeah, yeah fair, yeah. fair enough. But you can see the magic. You can see the cosmic encounter influence in magic, probably. If you, I, I'm less. You, or you, you never know, played cosmic. Uh, cosmic uh, yeah, okay. that's a blind spot for me. Okay, unfortunately. it's it's every player. Ha- it came out in the '70s. Most yeah, people okay. don't even know about this game. But every player is an alien, an alien race, yeah. and that alien has one player power that breaks the game. Like for instance, like the loser when he fights com when he fights in combat, normally like the highest value in combat wins, but for him the lowest value wins. Oh weird. If you fight yeah. the loser, you need low cards, yeah, not high yeah, cards, yeah. which is flips the game around. And then yeah. other car other players can like look in your hand and force you to play certain cards. Yeah. And then you start ally allying the players together every round when they attack each other you have temporary alliances. Yeah. So you're combining those basic, say it's a five-player game, you have five basic rules. Yeah. You're combining those five rules in different combinations against each other on different teams. Yeah. Possibility space, space blows up so fast. Yeah. You never, Every time you play the game, it's a different game. Yeah. So I can, uh, I'll take back one one thing I said because you have like, I think it was, let me let me make sure I get this mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. You, um, you've said uh, Unknown Worlds has the goal to unite the world through play and mm-hmm. i think some of the games that you're describing uh, have that uh, have that component right they're like they're like competitive games but also like community games yeah. and and with subnautica of course has like a really strong community but it's a it's like a solo it's designed to be a solo experience yeah. right yeah. so is do do you see yourself do you prefer like solo experiences to more communal experiences no. or is there, is, do no, you just see I like the both. value? Yeah, I, I mean, we actually wanted Subnautica to be multiplayer from yeah. the start. That was the original idea. And then we just never got to it. I see. You know? Like, like as, as with some of those other cutting <laughs> all the other type stuff. ideas. Yeah, yeah. Everything else. I mean, I think we, you know, our number one feature request for Subnautica is multiplayer yeah, I see. over and over and over. It will never stop. And I hope one day we could do it, not for Subnautica, but yeah. for future Subnautica. Yeah. But um, we did put time capsules in Subnautica, which does, like, as you play the game, you find these time capsules that have, like, poems or pictures yeah. or memes or whatever and, like, ingredient loot inside them. And those are left by other players. Oh, fair. But you don't. You may not know that when you find them. Yeah. They're like seated in your game, and when you beat the game is when you can create. You get the moment where you realize I'm fabricating a time capsule. Oh wait, yeah. I these time capsules are coming from players. No, that's great. Though. So it's yeah. all the players before you who are laying the groundwork yeah. and helping you get through the game. Yeah. So we do have that. We wanted to put that in there to like, you know, add that kind have of united, feel connected, feeling connected. Yeah. Although I think some people love the loneliness so much. In, yeah. or I don't know if they love it, but it's so pronounced 
that they felt like that was a violation of the loneliness. Interesting. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that is yeah. That's interesting as well. Yeah. Though it's yeah, it sounds it sounds like the um you know, play, playing with others though, that's kind of where you got your your start very yeah, much though. Definitely. Your, your I love multiplayer. And, yeah. Yeah. This is our first single player game. Right. First single player game I've ever worked on. So Yeah, that's that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Well, I think um, I think we are we blabbed enough, starting huh? to wind down. Okay, here, but yeah. where, um, I do want to make sure where can folks uh, kind of get in touch with you, find out more yeah. more about you on on the internet. On the internet, I do use Twitter. It's yeah. my one social media, uh, Flayra, F L A Y R A, and I'm unknownworlds.com. Charlie at unknownworlds.com. Yeah. That's it. You have Subnautica and yep. um, Subnautica. Uh, below zero, below zero yep. out out now and, yep. and re- doing the early access thing once again and then yep. what, whatever uh, I, I think we can all look forward to whatever it is uh, you're cooking up cool. these days as Can't well wait to I'll be excited to, yeah. to hear more about it and yeah. for, for my part I'm I'm uh, Kasavin on Twitter it's my, my last name and uh, Supergiant Games is the studio I work at so you can check out our stuff as well and uh, Charlie it's been yeah it's been really fun we didn't really talk that. about story but maybe next no, time no yeah, it's, yeah. I could, let's go get some coffee like less. yeah indeed <laughs> yeah oh, thanks again alright thanks great thank you for joining us for the Game Makers Notebook for more information on the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, our podcasts, and our other initiatives, please visit www.interactive.org.